Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Brighton Rock where I'm going solo just for an additional episode this week in order to round up the Premier League and EFL news and also some Albion news. So starting with the Albion, uh, we've completed the signings of Zach Emerson and David Weir's son Jensen Weir from Athletics Oldham and Wigan respectively. Emerson made two senior appearances for Oldham this season, the first of those um, as an 86-minute substitute in a league game which the team won as well as his two sub-appearances, he was also an unused sub in four other games. That debut appearance came when he was only 15 years and 73 days old, making him the second youngest ever debutant in league history, after a certain person called Ruben Noble Lazarus, apparently, who beat him by just a matter of 28 days. Well, Emerson is still only 15 years old now, with his 16th birthday coming on the 10th of August, so from an Albion point of view, he's very much a recruit for the academy rather than the first team. And I expect him to stay in-house this season to acclimatise to his new club and area. He's a centre forward. There's little more to go on in terms of his credentials at this stage, other than to say that he looks to be a very average build for his age and that he comes with glowing references from his now former head coaches um, in the youth team at Oldham, who were full of praise for his application and his attitude. We have apparently paid a six-figure fee for him, thought to be around £300,000, although that is unconfirmed. Uh, the other signing uh, I've just mentioned there, Jensen Weir, is a central midfielder of good height. He's 1m94, according to TransferMarket.com. Uh, he's about 18 and a half years old, and he has signed for us on a three-year contract for a reported £500,000. He's a current England under-18s international, although he's also eligible in later age groups for Scotland on account of his dad's nationality, of course. He is uh, the son of David Weir, who's in the loans section, uh, helping out with loan players for the Albion in his role at the moment. Um, Well, it does seem that his son is able to swap allegiances if he wants, but it does appear that he's already done that once. Um, around about the time of the 17s age group, when he had originally played for Scotland 
at 16s and 17s level. He played for England also at 17s and now at 18s. So looks like he might be swaying to the way of the St George's flag there. Anyway, he has played three times for his club at youth level this season, scoring one goal. In similar fashion to our fellow new acquisition, Emerson, Weir has made his senior debut very early, uh, in his case an EFL Cup match for Wigan, at just 15 years and 280 days old, making him their youngest ever debutant. He's right-footed and he sounds like a hell of a prospect. Welcome to both of those players. And also to another player who it appears we have tied up a deal with this month. Another youngster to whom we've been linked heavily prior to that, Lars Dendonka, who is the younger brother of the Wolves player Leander Dendonka. He's six years younger than his sibling at 19 years old. He represented his country, Belgium, at under-19s level. He's a centre-back by trade, but he can also play in the same position as his brother, central defensive midfield. And he comes to the Albion on a free transfer. Presumably that will be subject to compensation for his uh, former club Brugge, Bruges, um, if necessary. He's 1m88 and right-footed. Whether he'll be loaned out for the new season kickoff or perhaps later in January is yet to be seen, I guess, but he'll certainly need to acclimatise to the English game. Uh, he's registered with our under-23s and is on a two-year deal. So those are the three deals that we've confirmed. So Emerson, Weir and Dendonka. Um, all of those are obviously geared towards the, uh, more towards the youth team and under-23 setup. Um, but welcome to all of them and let's hope they have a long and fruitful time at the Albion. But what of other rumours? Well, it also appears um, that uh, there might be some, well, some meat on the Adam Lalana rumour bone, you could call it. Um, there's been a rumour going around for a week or two. It sounds from some quarters as if there may be some truth to it. I'm growing in my enthusiasm for the notion of getting him in personally. I think he'd be a good short to medium term proposition. Additional to him, um, and I think he would provide a lot of experience, um, at the other end of the scale, I'd love to also see us try for Rian Brewster, who we've already previously flagged up on this show. Although he may have, um, or he may favour, I suppose, a second term at the Liberty Stadium if the Swans manage to win their playoff. Um, I'd also be keen to see if we're able to prize QPR's Eberechi Eze away from other enthusiastic hands. He's a player we've also mentioned on the pod um, previously. He's an excellent attacking midfield talent. He's been uh, racking up plenty of experience this season and attracting plenty of would-be suitors for his, um, well, for, basically for his skillful play, his sharp eye for a penetrating pass, and for his accomplished ability to score a variety of goals given half the chance. Um, we've also been linked with Middlesbrough's Marcus Tavernier, or Tavernier. Um, I know little about him, to be honest, and um, if the interest is genuine, though, I trust the judgment of our recruitment team, given their recently improved form in successful choice of choices of acquisition. They've certainly improved their game, haven't they? Um, other news related, at least vaguely, to the Albion, at the time of recording this podcast, which is Friday evening, 24th July, Chris Hewton is reportedly on the brink of agreeing a deal to become Lee Johnson's successor at Bristol City. The man who made his mark in Albion's history by becoming only the second manager ever to gain the club elevation to the top flight in a largely excellent four and a half year stint has been out of work since his sacking at the end of the 2018-19 season when Albion came 
rather too close to relegation after seriously losing their way in the latter half of the season. Well, it's thought that he's turned down several roles in the course of time, um, championship roles in recent months, in the hope of another shot at the Premier League, one can guess. Um, but if the rumours of his imminent appointment at Ashton Gate prove to be true, it would mark a sensible compromise, in my opinion, um, in terms of his aspirations. Taking this role, which may mean entering at championship level again after all, but with a progressive and ambitious club whose prospects could be rosy under the correct stewardship, and there aren't many better with, or with better credentials for a championship promotion campaign than our Chris. Well, City tend to give their managers time to work too, so it seems a good fit. And if he does accept a job offer there, I, for one, will wish him the very best and congratulate him on his return to management. We'll wait to see what the news is on that one. Well, speaking of the championship, a, predict a predictably but nonetheless highly excitingly dramatic conclusion to the campaign on Wednesday saw all matters other than the title and playoffs settled as West Bromwich Albion stumbled across the line ahead of Brentford and Fulham with none of the three managing to win between them. Um, there were plenty of twists and turns throughout the evening, but in the end, the pre-season, well, sorry, the, rather the pre-kickoff status quo was effectively held to see a swift return to the top flight for Slavan Bilic's baggies. Congratulations to them. Extraordinarily, Nottingham Forest conspired not to join the aforementioned West London pair of Fulham and Brentford in the playoff frame after conceding a three-point lead to Swansea, along with their five-goal difference advantage for good measure, as an eventual six-goal swing ensued when the Swans thrashed their host, Reading, and when, while Forrest flopped miserably to a home thrashing of their own at the hands of season-long strugglers, Stoke. Late goals proved crucial in this thrilling climax. Cardiff completed the playoff set as they continued their steady form, but it was a really dramatic night at the top end of the table. And at the bottom, well, it was even more dramatic with twists galore. The eventual upshot being that Brentford's guests, Barnsley, pulled off an unlikely 2-1 win in Griffin Park's final ever regular season league match to not only scupper the Bees' automatic promotion dreams, and a win would have done that too, given the other result, but it also saw Barnsley manager Gerhard Strubers claim an unlikely escape from relegation. This is, of course, subject to Wigan Athletic's appeal against a 12-point deduction for entering administration in the spring, which was um, subsequently activated as soon as the season was over. Uh, but if that decision stands, it would mean that all of the bottom five teams, as things stood five games ago, would have evaded this season's trapdoor. A truly incredible stat, I'm sure you'll agree. Well, part of its truth comes from the fact that ex-Albion man Nathan Jones's not universally welcomed return to Kenilworth Road and the ship that he had jumped in the pursuit of greater glories in Stoke City form, proved to be a shrewd move by the owners. He plugged the hole that had opened in the hull of that Luton ship to salvage their championship status via a haul of 16 points from their last nine games that he was in charge in for the run-in. Congratulations to him and to former seagull Kazenga Lualua, who scored a classy late winner in their penultimate fixture on the road to success at the weekend. Um, and also congratulations to squad member Glenn Ray, who is, of course, a former youth teamer with the Albion. Well, I mentioned hulls of boats. Well, speaking of hull, the Tigers' woeful 2020 continued with further defeats, meaning they ended the season rock bottom on a run of one win, 
three draws and 16 defeats. Um, but the real tragedy in all of this was Wigan's plight. Paul Cook, well, he's done a brilliant job in the hot seat and he steered the team a huge distance from trouble in principle, only to find that extremely questionable shenanigans had occurred behind the scenes, not at their UK board level, but in regard to the overall ownership, which led to a sudden transformation from well-run club in rude health and with a settled championship team to a side who found themselves effectively demoted a division, despite being one of the top sides of the division post-restart in terms of form. Well, shameful antics from the new owners. But you have to also call into question the quality of care shown by the EFL, who imposed the standard sanctions for entering administration, which is fair enough, but then who also miserably failed to ensure the takeover of that club was of sufficient merit in the first place. The manner of takeover, its timings and the figures involved simply didn't make sense and due diligence looks from my point of view to be a foreign word to them. Well, I hope to get someone on in the coming weeks to tell me more about the situation. We'll see if we can manage to do that. But in the meantime, we await the appeal decision, which even if successful, would at this stage now be unfair on Barnsley, who have been quite rightly celebrating their survival, thinking they're safe. Uh, the whole thing in particular, um, the farce that is the owners and directors test, is a shit show, in my humble opinion. And the EFL have plenty of form in the inadequacy stakes. As for the playoffs, well, Brentford will face on-form Swansea and Fulham will take on Cardiff now in the semi-finals, whose first legs, I think, start on Sunday of this week. I wonder if we'll see a Welsh derby in the behind-closed-doors final that will eventually take place at Wembley. Well, I have to say, Neil Harris, who I thought did very creditable work with the club of his heart at the Den, has excelled himself in the Cardiff hot seat. Good luck to all the teams, anyway, and may the best men win. Oh, and if that turns out not to be Brentford... Can you buy us a couple of prezzies from their shop, Uncle Tony? Anyway, meanwhile, back in the Premier League, in, well, in Premier League land, several thousand Liverpool fans turned up outside Anfield on the occasion of the lifting of the Premier League trophy following the sparkling 5-3 win for the Reds against Chelsea in midweek. Not ideal for them to all turn up, for the supporters, really. Uh, but the event itself was clearly marked um, an emotional night for all involved at that club. Um, but it was certainly a curiosity, uh, a curious spectacle, really, um, seeing no fans inside the stadium to offer cheer and salutations at such an event. The Scouts has put on as best a show as they possibly could, really, uh, have been achievable in the circumstances, so fair play to them. But when the confetti settles, they'll know there's a missing part of this campaign yet to be satisfied. I wonder when they'll get their chance to fill that void. Well, Leeds, they haven't been shy in celebrating their EFL title win, have they? And their promotion to the Premier League. Fans gathered for the, I think it's the 437th time, to offer their praise and social disobedience credentials at Ellen Road as their team thrashed relegation-bound Charlton, my regular co-host Peter's new local team, 4-0. Before Leeds' trophy presentation, I wonder if Marcello Bielsa will stay. He's out of contract and he's yet to sign a new deal as of now, as we speak. I'm a huge fan of his work, but the ultimate achievement in my eyes would be to do the honourable and typically maverick by his standards thing and take a completely random job elsewhere. However, if he does go boring uh, for a change and signs on for another year with Leeds, at least we'll finally get the chance to see this hugely influential coach 
who has inspired the likes of Pep Guardiola and Pochettino um, in the Premier League at last. Bielsa in the Premier League, could you imagine? Would be interesting at least, I would say. Um, well, Watford were the latest teams to receive a spanking at the heads of on-fire Man City, coupled with the sacking of Nigel Pearson um, and a hugely aggravating win versus uh, for Villa versus Arsenal. It's been a disaster for the Hornets, who are looking now in grave peril going into the final games on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to run through those scenarios and do a little preview on Burnley in just a moment after this short break. So welcome back to part two of this special episode where we sum up and round up the Premier League, EFL and Albion news. We're focusing now on the run-in, the final games in the Premier League campaign. Finally, finally, we're coming to the end of the season. And this Sunday, with 4pm kickoffs, all of the matters will be resolved. Um, Brighton's game, by the way, is on Sky Arena, one of a number of Sky channels that'll be showing live games this weekend. It's all over the place, and they've got so many games on. Well, this is the situation in terms of the bottom six. Norwich, we already know, are relegated. They're 10 points adrift at the bottom, 13 from safety. They're long since down. West Ham and Brighton are officially out of the relegation trouble altogether. West Ham are ahead of us on goal difference. There's then a four-point gap to Aston Villa, who are the first of the three teams with something still to play for. Villa have 34 points and a minus 26 goal difference. That's just one goal better off than Watford, who have 34 points and minus 27 goal difference. And AFC Bournemouth have 31 points and a minus 27 goal difference. So the maths are fairly simple. Bournemouth need to win their game, and they need both Villa and Watford to lose theirs in order to survive. It's looking pretty bleak for Bournemouth. Um, if they do catch them on points, they will by proxy overtake them on goal difference. So that's the one thing that they don't have to worry about. But it's not looking good for them overall. For Watford, well, they've just got to better Villa's result, um, either in losing by a significantly smaller margin, winning by a significantly better margin. Ultimately, a two-goal swing is needed, really, I think, subject to the goal scored. Um, or just generally bettering their result in terms of getting a better outcome. It's going to be very tight. Villa are in the box seat. This is how it's lined up. So, well, Villa have just beaten Watford. Uh, Villa have just been in Arsenal, and Watford now have to play Arsenal. Could Arsenal lose to two relegation-threatened teams in a row? Well, I guess it's possible. It is at the Emirates as well, though. So that's Arsenal versus Watford. Bournemouth haven't got it easy either. They have to go to Goodison Park. Everton versus Bournemouth. I could see a draw in that game, but I couldn't see them winning, to be honest. And even if they do, would that be enough for safety? And they'd have to overtake both Watford and Villa, so they'd have to better both results. Maybe a draw would be enough, who knows? Well, the other game is uh, yet again on the road for the relegation-threatened side. Villa, they're also travelling. They're away at West Ham, who of course now are safe. That's not going to be a six-pointer as we did previously suspect it might be. So West Ham at home to Villa. That's the other game. Uh, as for us, we're level on points with, with West Ham, but we're three behind them on goal difference. So realistically, we need to beat their result, um, uh, which is against Villa, in order to regain 15th place and the reported extra £2.3 million that's on offer for that placing. Um, well, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. We've got the pleasure of just looking back on this in the cosy comfort 
and cigar-smoking countenance of a side and, and a set of fans who can relax. We're safe. We can just sit back, relax, and enjoy what's going on and see what see what occurs. Um, anyway, as far as the Albion go, well, our concluding fixture of this mammoth 2019-20 campaign is a visit to Turf Moor, where we've had an OK record in White Lives Matter town, although a large number of the recent games in general have ended in a draw, including this season's encounter at the Amex, when we threw away a 1-0 lead via the late concession of a Hendricks mid-ranger. Um, they did do the double over us last season, so to then concede with the chance to start going back the other way and do a double over them was most irritating indeed. Still, it is what it is. Our overall head-to-head record against Burnley is as follows. Um, it's one ten, drawn 13 and lost 11. So that's quite a low number of games played altogether between the sides, to be honest. But then again, we didn't play each other at all in the league until the 1972-73 season, when in fact they did do the double over us that year. The only previous meeting we'd had before that was in the FA Cup. So we haven't played them often. That's largely due to the regionalisation of the league that we were in for the vast majority of the years until the 70s. Um, How we'll do in this match, who knows? It's an end-of-season dead rubber. Um, They've got some ex-players in there, of course, and we'll see if any of them feature. Wood can be quite dangerous against us. They've got Dwight McNeil a good player. Um, on their day, they can be decent. But I fancy the draw. I'm going to go for a one-all draw in that match. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll do another review show on Monday. More info on that in a moment. But just to quickly give you some other news that's come out this week. Going back to the Championship, it's been announced in the last day or so that Coventry are to stay at St Andrews, Birmingham City's home ground, for the 2020-21 season. That's the ground, of course, that they're sharing and borrowing, where they managed to get promotion into the Championship, where Birmingham play, uh, for next season. They've done absolutely brilliantly to get promoted while in a, a loan ground. I know how difficult that is. Um, as for uh, other news, well, Newcastle... Uh, sorry, not Newcastle, but Charlton's owners are apparently remaining committed, the new owners this is, despite their relegation. Um... Other news is that Huddersfield have named the former Leeds, I think it was the under-23s coach, Carlos Corberan, as their new manager. Of course, they sacked rather controversially the the Cowley brothers um, in the last week or so. They've appointed, yeah, it's Leeds United's assistant, actually, Carlos Corberan, as their new head coach. He's a 37-year-old who spent the last three years with the Whites and coached the club's under-23s, as well as being on Marcel Bielsa's staff. You'll probably recognise him as the guy that pretty often stands next to him doing the translations during um, press interviews. But anyway, that's uh, a bit of news there. Um, Leeds United have defended their open-top bus celebration. This is to do with what I mentioned earlier about them having... Um, had a load of fans gather outside Ellen Roads. The players, whether they heard rumour of this already, I don't know the fans, but the players were watching the game in an impromptu arrangement at the stadium. So they were celebrating, as seen from an upper floor window in the stadium, for the fans below. And they prepared, in case of a scenario like this, an open-top bus so they could at least pacify the fans and help set them on their way back home. Hmm. All sounds a bit of poor form to me, if you ask me, but anyway, there we go. In other news, today, Friday, the Premier League have announced um, that its shareholders have agreed to a September the 12th start date for the new season, 
2021 season, um, with the final matches of that season to take place on May the 23rd. I'm sure this is going to be the subject of further discussions on this forum in future weeks. But what I'll say at this stage is that it presents, um, well, it presents us all with a short turnaround for our teams after what has already been a disrupted schedule in terms of normal physical timings and patterns and periods in kind of soft training. I wonder how many players will cope, and in particular, the playoff winners and those clubs involved in this season's belated FA Cup and Champions League competitions. Interesting to see what happens. And tying back round to the Championship, the Championship have also announced, probably in response to that, that they too will start their season on September the 12th. There was rumours it could go back a week, but it's uh, not the case for either of those divisions so far. Um, so that's news there. Um, finally, I'm returning to the subject of the Albion. I note with wry amusement the news that was mentioned this week that the aforementioned midweek 5-3 cracker at Anfield, um, which Liverpool won, Chelsea, for their five goals conceded, have now conceded more goals than we have, the Albion, in this league season. How marvellous is that? <laughs> We're not doing too badly overall then. Um, we've certainly got plenty of work to do when we're reflecting on the season. Um, but there have been some great goals and there's been some great moments regardless. And we'll be talking about that in detail on a later podcast that we're planning during the summer with a special guest, details to be announced. Um, but we'd also love in the meantime to hear from you, the listeners, with your favourite moments. And also we'd like to know your choice, a single choice each, for player of the season um, for the vote we're having. We'll be compiling a tally based on your opinions and those of our friends of the show with the winner to be announced in our end of season review episode that's coming soon. If you'd like to contact us with your comments and particularly and most importantly with your your singular votes for player of the season, please do so by emailing brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com or by tweeting or DMing us at brightonrockpod. That's Twitter our Twitter address at Brighton Rock Pod. And finally, to round up this episode, um, we'd love you, for you to give us a five-star rave review if you can on Apple, if you use that format to listen to our content, and if you don't mind obliging. Uh, written reviews um, for that or any other format would also be extremely welcome as it helps raise our profile and search rates. Additionally, please hit the subscribe and follow buttons on your respective listening platforms to boost our numbers if you can. Thanks very much, and we'll be back with our final standard match review episode next week. With all being well, we'll be recorded at our favourite old podcast stomping grounds, the Gladstone Arms. It's been a while. We're looking forward to hopefully doing that. Thanks for listening to this podcast, which comes to you in association with Seagulls Over London. And until next time, stand or fall, up the Albion. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.